Welcome to episode 8 of the Afterthought Podcast. Well, it was a good run, but the Eagles season is over after a crushing loss to the Buccaneers. Andrew and I are going to break it down for you today. Also, since school is out for the summer, we are issuing report cards and superlative nominations for our featured segment, Let's Grieve Together, Let's Get It. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of the Afterthought Podcast. This is Andrew Rubin, joined as always by Alex Foldatz, and I was paying tribute to the wonderful uh, vitamin C right there. Of course, uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Unfortunately, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be needing to provide some therapy for that rough game on Sunday. But before we get into anything fun, uh, I have something more fun that we're gonna get into. Alex, random question for you: Do you mm-hmm. have do you have any tattoos? Any 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 tats? I do. I have five. Do you have any, Andrew? Zero. Zero tattoos. (laughs) Well, I have to say my favorite one is on my calf when the Eagles won Super Bowl 52. My dad and I actually made a bet um, after we went five and one in Carolina that if we won it all, we'd get tattooed. And sure enough, we did. So that brings us to our sponsor of today's episode, Stay True Tattoo in Spring City, PA. I know Mike Brown personally, and he is an awesome guy with a great story to tell as well as a spectacular artist. If you are interested in getting your first tattoo, looking to cover up someone else's crummy work, or looking to someone you can trust, check out their shop at staytruetattoopa.com or on their Instagram at staytruetattoopa. Mike also told me that anybody that comes in and mentions the Afterthought podcast, he will throw a free t-shirt to anybody that books. Again, stay chat, stay true tattoo PA.com, IG handle at stay true tattoo PA. Andrew, let's get right into some therapy. Eagles versus Bucks. Crushing loss. Can't say I'm surprised. What's your thoughts from the game? Yeah, we both pretty much agreed that we didn't think that the Eagles were going to win. Um, however, as I was watching that game, I, I think I had debated maybe like giving myself an actual tattoo with like with like a knife (laughs) uh it was painful man and i needed i needed some physical pain to take take away from some of the emotional pain i was feeling um you know look i i I actually felt like as we got closer to the game that i was feeling more and more confident as the week was going on um you know listening to some sports radio and and like of course Fans are people are going to get wrapped up in the excitement and probably exaggerate a little bit. But even like the national media tended to think that the Eagles had a legit chance of upsetting the Buccaneers. I think a lot of that had to do with there being uh, no A.B., no Godwin, uh, you know, Fournette was ruled out. I didn't realize that Ronald Jones wasn't supposed to be playing either, um, but it did. It didn't matter. Uh, you know, like game starts. We defer the kickoff right off the bat. It's just like. Oh boy. Okay. We're giving Tom Brady the ball first. And is that how we want to start a game? 
I don't know. I, you know, I think that that's kind of what we, that was like our, our plan the entire season. It's like, if we won a, a, a coin toss, we would defer, we would get the ball at halftime, but that just did not work in our favor at all. Um, first play of the game, Keyshawn Vaughn runs for 17 yards. And I feel like it yeah. was literally, that was the start of the end right there. I just felt like we never, ever, ever had a chance. It's like any time that we made positive plays, there was a penalty that was bringing it back. Uh, again, like the early deficits, just like story of the year. It's just the same stuff. Goddard dropped the ball that was in his hands that would have like, you know, gotten us into Bucks territory. Uh, at the end of the first half, Hurts making that terrible throw into the end zone, thinking he could zip it in there. You know, it's like we, even though we played like complete garbage the first half, we were only down 17 nothing, And it's like mm-hmm. we had a chance to score before the half was over. We, we couldn't put any points up. We got the ball. Right after halftime, again, couldn't do anything. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to give you an opportunity to, to, for also for some, for some therapy here. So I don't want to just tell the, the entire story. So like, yeah, let me, let me invite you into the conversation a little bit and, and let's talk this out. Yeah, man. A lot of head nodding here. Uh, can't say I disagree with anything that you said. Um, You know, I was actually growing confident as the game went too because it really looked like it was going to come down to number one, number one rushing offense against number one rushing defense, right? Um, My mother-in-law and father-in-law were at the game and they said the wind was gusting pretty heavily across the field left to right, right? That's like, you know, the last thing you want to see as a quarterback is, is it going across the fields? And, and you could see the, the field goal uh, flags were, were waving in the wind and everything. And it did have a small effect on the game, but it's Tom Brady and he's going to find a way to make adjustments, right? When, when you talk about the greatest quarterback of all time and you talk about how many reps of how many thousands, tens of thousands of throws he's done, a little bit of wind isn't going to deter him. He's going to have that play into his game. Um, you know, I, I, 17 points at half, three-possession game. It's not like we haven't seen that before, right? So um, I have to say, though, that in the second half when we came out, we started slowing Tom Brady down. We started doing all the things that we needed to do. Defense was really starting to show up. And I had my second most deflating feeling when Jalen Rieger dropped that punt. The first deflate, the, the biggest deflated feeling I ever had as an Eagles fan uh, at least in recent memory, was when Alshon Jeffrey dropped that ball in New Orleans when Nick Foles was going down the field the game after double doink and we were going down. That was the most deflating feeling I've ever had as an Eagles fan. And the second that Jalen Rieger, again, man, he's been mentioned so much on here. Our buddy Alex, the first um, person we had on for Behind Enemy Lines, calls this podcast hashtag Jalen Rieger hate cast, right? Because we, we talk on him so much. That was the most deflating feeling I have. He dropped a punt. I don't know if the wind played into it. I don't know. It's not uncharacteristic for him to do something like that. And once the Bucks got it, I was like, yeah, all hope is gone. I wasn't expecting to win this game, especially once I saw Tom Brady throwing the ball. But I thought, you know what? We may be able to keep it close. We may be able to keep it competitive. And Jalen Rieger, in my opinion, that was a nail in the coffin that, that, that set the game up for a loss. Yeah. And going into this week, I mean, my biggest concern was that the Eagles were last in the league in opponent um, passing completion percentage. So when opponents were completing at, you know, a 70 percent tick, it's you're 
and and you're you're throwing the same defense out there where you're again you know you're kind of just allowing those seven eight yard chunks which Tom Brady will pick you apart all day long. You can't sag off and just think that Tom Brady is not going to just take advantage of what you're giving him. I, it just didn't seem like the the defense threw the Buccaneers off one bit and it was almost like exactly what I expected to see, which, which sucks. You want to see some sort of adjustment being made going into it. Um, and you know, Jalen Rager, it's like, okay, I, I, to your point, I, I do recall seeing the win being pretty gnarly during that game, but like, that was such a pivotal moment where mm-hmm. again, we were still maintaining a 17 to nothing deficit, which is like, it still felt like a long shot. And you know, like, uh, Two of the Buccaneers, I believe, two of their offensive linemen left the game early, one of which was Tristan Wirfs, who's like yeah. a pro offensive lineman. Huge and loss. And you, you could see after that those two players left the game, we were bringing pressure. I mean, I haven't seen Ryan Kerrigan all year, and it seemed like he was in on like three different sacks. Um, so they were getting the Tom Brady. They were bringing him down, and, and it's like – because of that, it seemed like the Bucks were starting to stall, and if the Eagles could get anything going offensively, that they could find their way back into the game. Well, you know, I also thought there, yeah, I, I thought there were a few opportunities that were really unfair with us. I'm not big on the NFL has it out for Tom Brady to win. Two huge penalties in that game that were absolutely ridiculous. First off, the roughing the passer, the roughing the the passer hit from Derek Barnett in his hip. That's not roughing the passer. That's not roughing the passer at all. He didn't even go down hard. And then the second one was that ridiculous holding call on on Jason Kelsey. That was insane after a 45-yard gain that we had up there. And we still ended up getting a lot of the, the position back on the field because of where the penalty occurred. But like those were two just, again, momentum killers. And I, and I think that's what was it, right? You have a team that's that's characteristically slow starting. And the only way that you can build up is through momentum. And right there, the Jalen Rieger drop in the second half, those two huge calls, huge calls right at the beginning of the game, in my opinion, were just what took the momentum out of the sales. And then Jalen Hurts started getting a little bit desperate, as he should. Um, That pick in the end zone, it sucks because it really doesn't look that bad on tape. It was just an elite Hawkeye move uh, from their safety. But like Devonta Smith beat his corner hands in the air, give me the ball, Jalen Solomon a, a second too late, right? It, it, it's unfortunate. That didn't kill me as much as as the Jalen Rieger drop, though. Yeah, and I was just debating with our with a friend of both of ours, uh, Vince Stewart. Hello, Vince. Hello. This is the After the Podcast, saying your name out loud. You're special. Um, I, You know, he, he doesn't find Jalen Hurts – he doesn't find Hurts' arm as a concern, and – I tend to think that he just doesn't have the arm to like to ever make that type of throw. And I'm not, I, I feel like there's probably not many quarterbacks that could, I mean, that's an elite throw to be off balance and to zip it in there. But like, I really think that Hertz is always going to have an issue with arm strength and, you know, awareness is one thing and, you know, not going through your reads, but like when you just don't have the accuracy or the arm strength to zip it into tight windows, I just don't know how you're ever going to really, have major success and with the Eagles unfortunately this is why they have trouble playing from behind it's like they make their it's like they are such a strong running team that if you get a lead on them and they're not able to to utilize that part of their offense it's going to be really tough to come back when they have to rely on passing the ball so um any any final thoughts from you on the game before we before we try to look ahead and I don't know try to feel better 
Yeah, I mean, there are other things that happened this weekend. We're going to get into that. Sure as heck made us feel better, right? The whole weekend <laughs> wasn't at a, at a total loss. Um, you know, with your comments in regards to Jalen Hurts, it's it, I was really hoping he was going to come out, and even at the end of the season, when it really mattered on the line, just solidify himself as the guy next year, right? Do a good performance, have something to hang your hat off, and unfortunately, it was a weak performance. It, it really wasn't the best thing to end the note on, because that's what we're going to remember, right? Um, y- you know, Nick Foles has lost games in big moments, but Nick Foles is... It, also comes through when you need him to and in those big moments he's still he still always produces or he's winning those games right Nick Foles isn't the most athletic quarterback into here but like we we know the legacy of Nick Foles Nick Foles brings a smile to our face I just don't think Jalen Hurts gets me super excited for next year I think he's earned the starting job but I don't think he's going to sign a big contract in the offseason I I, I I think that's extremely unlikely um so yeah that's kind of the way I think about it is I wish Jalen left me wanting more Jalen at the beginning of next season. I don't feel much different than how I felt about week 15 Jalen on how I feel about week, you know, wild card, super wild card week in Jalen hurts. So that's kind of the way we wrap that up. Not very good. And so with that being said, uh, the Eagles draft picks are finally, we know, we know where we're going to be picking. We have in the first round, we have three picks all Towards the middle, we have pick number 15, pick number 16, and pick number 19, which is a nice little, you know, those are some nice assets to play with. Yeah. Uh, my first question to you, and and doesn't sound like you really, you know, want to make any quarterback changes, but so so I want to ask you, what do you predict we're going to do with those picks? You know, do, do we trade any? Do we trade, do we keep them all? And then I also want to know, what do you want to see happen? Yeah, I mean, they don't pay me enough, right? The Eagles do pay me, but just not enough to to, to make those decisions. No, you pay um, them for tickets, right? Yes, yeah, so I pay them way more than enough, which I did renew. We are going back to the link for the next four years. We split them with also a friend that we mentioned on here earlier. So excited about that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think we still do need a stud wide receiver. I want to see a stud um, person in, in the linebacker position. And I don't know where the cards are going to fall. Admittedly, I'm not the biggest college fan in the world from, from what I'm hearing. It's a very, very defensive heavy draft, which really pays into what I think we need to be successful. I think we need to re-sign Darius Slay. I think Steven Nelson has been a fantastic asset to our team. Having Avante Maddox, having uh, Ronnie McLeod, I, I, I think our defensive secondary is okay but the missing piece is that linebacker position so regardless if that's trading capital for a linebacker um you know potentially trading capital for a wide receiver and then maybe having somebody else in the offensive or defensive line is okay with me i'm totally okay if it's not a sexy draft full of people you're going to be buying you're not going to be buying jerseys from the second that they do because if we draw, if when we drafted Smitty at like eight o'clock by eight o two, already placed my order. Right, that's sexy. That's a wide receiver. That's our future. I'm totally okay if this doesn't result in any jersey sales from me. I just want to see us pick up holes. And if we are picking up holes and we need to trade draft capital, I'm okay with giving the first round pick for an elite talent that we have. Um, isn't that what they got Jalen Ramsey for? Wasn't Jalen Ramsey a, a first round pick? I feel like Jalen Ramsey. He may have was, been a t- two first round picks. Yeah, because 
I think he was drafted like I want to say three or four overall the year that he the year that he yeah. got drafted. He, he drafted and I'm not saying anyway. I'm not saying we need a Jalen Ramsey, but I would be okay with oh, you we know, somebody. In, in that upper echelon, well, yeah, of course, in that in that upper tier, and I would be okay with trading one first round pick to get somebody to help us solidify the middle of the fields because then I think our defense is scary good with with that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if you can if you can sell a first round pick to get a guaranteed talent that is closer to the prime of their career, then I think you one hundred percent have to have to go with. It's so much more of a sure thing, and we have no reason to trust Howie or our front office with with these picks i'm it's like i i get kind of scared to go down memory lane to see some of our past mistakes and you know how much better suited we'd be for the future if we actually didn't waste picks on guys like marcus smith and um you know unfortunately the nelson aguilar's and jalen ragers it's like these well, aren't hey, first qu- round quick talents. quick interjection yeah. here i mean look at what the rams are doing the rams don't even care about drafting anybody they're just saying hey we're going to use all of our picks and go win a super bowl right now they whooped the Cardinals this week, right? That's a strategy that I don't necessarily love, but you take a lot of the guesswork out of it because there's a well, lot of first-round yeah. picks that play like six-round picks. There's a lot of six-round picks that play like first-round picks. So why not just use that to go get some guaranteed talent? That's something that I'm not saying I would hate either. For sure. And I 100% agree that we need a linebacker. I think back to a couple years ago, maybe it was the Chip Kelly era where I didn't want to trade LaShawn McCoy, but we were able to trade him for like Kiko Alonso. I would love a similar type deal if we could trade Miles Sanders or something like that for a for yep. a running back. I don't think Alonzo was very good here, but just something to bring in a linebacker to be excited about. Anywho, um, what do I predict will happen? I I predict that we are going to keep all three picks. And yep. I think two out of the three at least we go defense and maybe with one of them we go offensive line just because that's we 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 like to have that's one thing that we have done well is kind of keep this like running you know uh just just like a a conveyor belt of of offensive linemen almost uh but what i would love 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 to see happen um if we could package one or two of those picks for calvin ridley i would now it's it and it is it's a very sexy move and it's exciting and clearly he's far from a guarantee because of you know he he took off half of the season for mental health but after seeing Lane Johnson and just how effective he's been for the league um to to be able to have somebody like Lane take him under his wing no pun intended Eagles <laughs> um and like really just I don't know maybe help him with that aspect of life I think it could be a a very very perfect partnership um and i would be so stoked going into next year with Z- get jalen Rager the heck out of here i would love to see give me smitty give me ridley give me quez and let's 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 go let's do it um so i hope that that happens i i don't know how big of a shot there is of that but uh but we'll have to wait and see it's going to be it's going to be a fun off season now uh we can start to kind of turn the course here and get into a little bit of, of better news and make ourselves feel better any way we can um, there were a couple other games this weekend, but one in particular that I'd like to uh, to bring up those uh, those Dallas Cowboys and those San Francisco 49ers. And uh, oh, man, what a game, what an ending. Um, I don't even want to go into it. I think I'm just going to kind of give you the floor and just let you just the floor is yours. Yeah. So so I, I want to go on a little rant about the Cowboys. Andrew, is is, is that OK? That's what we're here for. Yeah. So so I, I put up a social media post uh, yesterday, 
And most people agreed with it. Some didn't, but I felt that this would be a good place to clear the air and and hear my full thoughts on the matter. So in my post, I said, the Dallas Cowboys are the top grossing sports franchise in the world. And that's actually a true stat, by the way. Look it up. I'm not making it up. The fact that they have such a big fan base after decades of mediocrity is wild. And they are bad. They are bad for the sport of football. And when we go back to like the top grossing aspect, like can we just understand the severity of that, of holding that honor? That's like the top team. This means any team you've ever thought of or, or fantasized about being on when you were a kid, the Dallas Cowboys in American football is that team. The top grossing franchise that's bigger than the Yankees, the Lakers, Real Madrid, Barcelona, all those great brands. The Dallas Cowboys is the top grossing sports team. So so why are they bad for football? Well, a, a top brand needs to pull out a quality product, right? So let's take Apple, for example. I think Apple's a great example because everybody hates on Apple. Those Android people, it's the specs, the specs. Well, you and your green bubbles can you know say outside of here, this isn't a tech podcast. But, you know, say what you will, but when Apple says no headphone jack on their phone, uh, there is no more headphone jacks on any of the new phones from any of the manufacturers coming out, right? Like Apple innovates and they put out a good product. They take care of their shareholders and they're a good company with a good brand. But if Apple put out a brick phone, it would be bad for the entire cell phone industry that a key player isn't innovating. It's impacting everybody. So listen, I can concede that they're good. But literally every team is good at one point. Like when you play like garbage and get rewarded with good picks, that's literally the premise of why we have a draft. The worst teams get the best picks. Like, can we agree on that? Like the Bengals just broke a 31 year dry streak this weekend. The Patriots stunk before Tom Brady. The Browns are even decent now. Everybody. Well, I, I guess not the Jets. The the Jets kind of always stink. But, but that's, that's just my number the way two team. You better watch it. Yeah, well, the Jets always stink. But even with elite talent, elite talent, some would argue the best wide receiving core, one of the best defenses, and on paper, a Super Bowl, an easy Super Bowl team, they still get bound. They still get bounced in the first round. So they're bad for the brand of football. They are bad for the brand of football. And I think we should reconsider who America's team is or just get rid of the whole thing entirely. Right, like when you go to other countries, Dallas is the only game in town. It's just not a good representation of our country. And I'm not saying our country is great and we should only celebrate winners. We have a long work to go in in in, in the USA. But Dallas, that's the team. That's America's team. The fans should be furious instead of coming up for excuses that their boneheaded quarterback made. You know, ownership saying Micah Parsons is as pure as mother's milk. What what kind of 1800s jargon is pure as mother's milk? They're bad, bad, bad for the sport of football. They're just a bad brand putting out a bad product. They've done it for decades. I actually saw a post and I thought that this was pretty insane. When you think about playoff wins in the last 25 seasons, Jake DeLome, five. Trent Dilfer, five. Mark Sanchez, four. Butt fumble, four. Brad Johnson, four. Colin Kaepernick, four. Dallas Cowboys, three wins in the last 25 years. They should be embarrassed. They need to just restart from the ground up. That's my rant on there. I just think the Cowboys are bad for football. Okay, so here's um, here's what I want you to do, Alex. 
first I want you to take a deep breath in your nose, hold for <laughs> three seconds, and then for four seconds, breathe out. I, first of all, I admire your hatred towards Dallas and the Cowboys, um, but I have to disagree with you. And I think that the Cowboys are great for the sport of football because every every sport needs a villain. Every sport needs a team to hate. And I think that there are, I mean, Philadelphia hates Dallas probably more than any other city. But that whole, you know, America's team, it's all because they they just had all of this, you know, success in the 70s. And so all of our boomer parents grew up on the Cowboys because that was the one team that they played on national television. So that's the only team that people were being introduced to because Dallas was that product. But yeah, now we are 40 years later and they are a pathetic franchise, but we can continue to hate. We can continue to like love, hate that, you know, we can hate the fact that they are such a pathetic franchise. And like, especially as an Eagles fan, you know, we went into this season with not really any hopes of making the playoffs and Dallas went in with high expectations and we both got ousted in the same round. So we can sit back, we can laugh, we can be happy that we're not dealing with this mess of a franchise. I mean, you look at like the New York Knicks in basketball and like, I have no idea how New York can have such a subpar basketball team for our entire lives. I mean, like <laughs> I remember I like I Patrick Ewing probably was playing like slightly before I was like starting to get into sports. So I remember Allen Houston and Latrell Sprewell and that team making it, but like they have not made, I, Oh, I'm sorry. I think last year they actually made the playoffs for the first time in God knows however long. So it's like, you have these teams that have these, these rich histories and they play it. And and they have, you know, fans everywhere, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are a good team. And it's it's wild. Sure, to that. sure. But 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 bad for the brand of this is like the NFL is trying to penetrate into an international market, right? Like I've gone to South America a few times and the only game on in town is Dallas. Like, what is that doing for the sport of football and getting new people to come in here that the beloved team that they only show once a month in their in their towns is garbage and they can't do anything right like they're selling america to people outside of the country and they're getting a subpar product make the make the green bay packers the face of america's team small town cheesehead it's a perfect embellishment of what happens here in the usa right but i'm just saying like like that is a more better representation of what I think. And they're winners. They've been winners. They keep drafting Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They're always in the playoffs, right? Like, why does America seem just have to be this 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 crappy, pure as mother's milk, 1800s, old school owner Cowboys? Because maybe know. America isn't as great as we think it is, damn it. And I, <laughs> and I, one, more, one more point that I want to make, though, is that, like, to your point— why the heck do we broadcast like Jacksonville versus the Jets every time there's a London game? You think London wants wants to watch a bunch of <laughs> bottom tier teams like trying to complete tallywhackers, like, tallywhackers, a bunch of tallywhackers. <laughs> yeah. We've we've gone back, we've gone back centuries in the past five minutes, and it's what a ride. All right, well, I'm glad that we got that off our chest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll just. Before we wrap up this first segment, uh, just a quick overview of the teams that are making it through and also, uh, you know, the picks that you and I both had last week for wildcard weekend. So we both picked the Bucks; They both won. Uh, they beat the Eagles. We both picked the Bengals. They beat the Raiders, which was a closer game than I thought. We both picked the Chiefs, who yep. took care of the Steelers. Great game. No, comp- Great game, no competition. Man. 
Yeah, it was it was it was an awesome. I'm surprised that, that Pittsburgh scored 21 yeah. points, but um, and then no, you, I'm talking about the Bengals yeah, Raiders. That that was oh, a Bengals really good Raiders. game. The Bengals Bang- Raiders was a f- yeah. phenomenal game. Phenomenal game. Um, so then, uh, Bills Patriots. That was the only one that I picked correctly uh, because uh, I took the Bills, who 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 won. You took the 49ers. I thought the Cowboys were going to win, and finally the Rams were victorious, and I thought the Cardinals were going to win, and that was never a game either like Kyler Met- what was the Booger McFarlane was- what in the Carson Wentz was that when Kyler, <laughs> what in the Carson Kyler Mary <laughs> so in, you got on Booger that, McFarlane uh, out there doing that man in insane I, I will say that I actually for the first time this season won a six-leg parlay at the last second I changed my Patriots pick to the Bills so I put my money on this so everything on here, I actually got right, and I got a six-leg parlay plus nine hundred and fifteen odds. Pretty excited about that. You know, I'm I'm proud of you. That means I taught you well, and you've been listening. And uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for the first half here. I, I I feel I feel like that was you know that was good. Um, we have we have much more though where that came from. We're going to dive into uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about just overall grades. We're going to talk about how we view uh, every facet of the Eagles team. And we're also going to get into some fun superlatives where Alex and I will both give our opinions on, uh, on our nominations for each category. So stay tuned. We'll be right back to the Afterthought Podcast. Right, and with that sounds, that means school is out for summer. Unfortunately, the Eagles season came to an end, but it's time to issue some grades on the overall performance of our team this year. Andrew, what kind of student were you in high school? Alex, to be honest with you, I was a pretty, I was a pretty good student. I, I think I finished ranked. 26th out of like 450 in my graduating class, which I like to uh, brag about as much as possible, which is maybe twice ever. Um, so yeah, overall pretty good student afterwards, college, uh, bad procrastinating habits. But anyway, we don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about some, some grades here. Basically how we're going to do this is we're going to look at four, we're going to look at four subjects. Uh, first subject is going to be special teams. Then we're going to go into offense, then into defense, and then we are going to give one big fat overall grade for the entire collection of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles. So, Alex, let's start with you. We're going to start with special teams. So I think, yeah, so I think special teams, before anybody attacks me for this, if you, anybody in the NFL has more athletic ability in their finger than I do in my whole, uh, my entire body in four lifetimes. But special teams, in my opinion, is a little bit like phys ed if we're talking about school subjects. I mean, all you really need to do is just not give up any big plays, right? 95% of the kickoffs go into the end zone. 90% of punts end in a fair catch. There really isn't that much to do. You just kind of show up, do your job, don't give up any big plays, maybe make a big play. It's a guaranteed A in my book. But yet, Jalen Rieger dropped a punt. That was a nail in the coffin. He had an awful, awful, awful performance on special teams. We gave out a few fumbles on some kickoffs. Awful performance on special teams. Aaron Sifas, what is this dude doing? It's like shanking punts multiple weeks in a row. 
The only saving grace, in my opinion, is Jake Elliott. Jake Elliott, I think, had a season-high record of like 90.9% of field goals made. Um, That's pretty awesome, but also our coach doesn't like to go for it. I mean, our coach likes to go for it on fourth down. So I think that's like a statistically small number. I, I think he has kind of a small sample size. So special teams, my grade is a D. For what the about you, man? section? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Alex, I, you know, I, you, I'm just going to echo a lot of things right now. Uh, Sipos, uh, he was 30, 30th out of 36 possible punters in, 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 in uh, punt yard average. So suck. Uh, Jalen Rager was 28th in punt return average out of 30. Yep. <laughs> There's there's 12 more of those where that came from. Uh, we were 29th in kick return average. We were 24th in punt coverage. We were 28th in kick coverage. Jake Elliott, like you said, only positive. Went 30 of 33, which that's great quick math by you. 90.9% is exactly right. So he was the one saving grace. And with that being said, I'm giving, I have the same exact grade as you did written down. They are getting a straight up D and they need to get rid of... Yep, thank you. And they need to get rid of Michael Clay, who is their uh, their special teams coach. He has no right returning to this job next year. That this is as bad as I can recall the Eagles special teams being. Oh well, this this is a great start, huh? <laughs> so much okay. for making honors. So so starting off with a D. All right. So other side of the ball. What do you think about the offense? What is your grade for the offense this season? So I'll start this off on a, on a little bit of a higher note. Um, I will give the rush offense an A+. Will that be strong enough to keep the entire offense grade high? Well, we'll find out. Um, the O-line was was elite. Um, the Every running back who stepped in seemed to be picking up chunks of yardage whenever, you know, whenever it was, it was the job was theirs. Um, so A-plus for the rush offense. Pass offense, however, we were 21st in yards per game throwing, only 208. And completion percentage, we were 26, uh, 26th at 61.5. And, um, and then furthermore, if we want to talk about some wide receiver play, our good buddy Jalen Rager showing up on this list as well. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you some end-of-the-year numbers. Um, he averaged 1.9 receptions per game. So my oh man my couldn't gosh. even average two catches per game. He had 33 receptions on the year, which is the same as Kenneth Gainwell. And then finally, he finished the year under 300 yards. So he had 299 yards on the season, which was only 110 more than Zach Ertz, who was out of here weeks ago. This guy is a number one, a first round pick, and he is just struggling. I just said struggling. That's trouble and struggling put together. Yeah. Let's try that again. My man. Uh, okay, so I am going to give the offense. Oh, by the way, the offensive coordinator is a guy named Shane Steichen, and I literally just learned that two hours ago. I had no <laughs> idea that they even they never talked about this dude. You're a defense. You talk about Jonathan Gannon all the time. Anyway, Shane Steichen. I I don't know what he did. Um, I'm giving the offense a C plus, and that's feels a little generous, but it is because the uh, the rush offense was was his, you know they it was kind of like a historical rushing season for the Eagles so got to give some love your turn wow C plus all right maybe you're a little bit more of a harsher teacher than I am um you know when I think of the offense as a whole 
I, I, I think about somebody who's going to be calling the majority of the plays, and I think Nick Sirianni had a great second half of the season. I love some of the play calling, even though it didn't always feel like that in the beginning of this season, which does take into this account. Um, I agree with almost everything else you said. How can we forget that we had the number one rushing offense in the league? The number one rushing offense in the league. Um, I think Jalen played... Above average, Hurts that is. Rieger stinks. Dallas Goddard, Devonta Smith had huge years. Devonta Smith beating the all-time rookie receiving record. And and I think they played well. I think we started a little bit too slow. We need to do better overall if we want to compete against good teams. And let's not forget, it's something we don't talk about on here. The The only teams we beat were under 500 by the end of the season. We did play a few teams that were above 500 when we played them. Uh, but I think overall, if we tighten up a few things, we could be okay next year. Going a little bit higher than you, I'm giving them a nice round B. Nice. That's pretty good. And to your point there um, about the level of competition, uh, the Eagles played seven games this season um, against teams that made the playoffs. They went 0-7 against those teams, and they were outscored by 96 points. So when I see that, it just tells me that the Eagles still have a little bit of a further way to go than I realized um, or maybe wanted to think. Let's move to defense. How you feeling about the defensive side of the ball? Rush defense, pass defense, give it to me. Yeah, I mean, defense is a tough one, right? Because I think we've seen some really great standout performances um, you know, I think of Darius Slay running back pick sixes. I, really quick side note. It's disrespectful. He got one all pro vote. One Trayvon Diggs is a fraud. This dude can't track anything. He's just really fast and gets lo- lucky with a lot of tips. Maybe that's a bad take, but I think that's so disrespectful to, to Darius Slay. He had a great season. Um, I mentioned it earlier in our episode. Steven Nelson was a great acquisition. Avante Maddox earns that contract. We had some really good people playing safety. Rodney McLeod with a game-ending win there. But the middle of the field was wide open a lot, and I just feel like our linebackers are making really bad decisions, specifically Alex Singleton. I I still don't know how he's a captain. Um, Jonathan Gannon on this whole bend but don't break Jim Schwartz-style defense is infuriating to me. But we haven't given up too many teams, uh, too many points to other teams. I feel like we're pretty good against the run, and even though I think this grade's a little bit high, we did rank 18 overall. Not too bad. I'm going to give us a C-plus on defense. Very well. Um not too far off. Um, I feel like the rush defense was pretty good this year. I mean, I recall talking about Saquon Barkley twice and how he just was unable to get anything going. Um, so the, the Eagles were sixth in yards per carry allowed. Uh, so they were they were giving up four yards per carry, which was good enough for sixth best in the league. So that's pretty solid. Um, giving up just a, a little over 100 yards per game. Um now, in terms of pass defense, where things got were, were a little bit dicier, uh, obviously we've talked about how they uh, gave up the best completion percentage, and a lot of that was because of Gannon's scheme and just kind of sagging off, not allowing the big play. Um, but any quarterback who was capable was able to pick the Eagles apart. 
the Eagles only had uh, they, they averaged just under two sacks per game, which was which was 29th in the league and takeaways per game. They were 28th with 0.9. So just under one takeaway per game. So they didn't cause a lot of turnovers. They didn't get to the quarterback with any real consistency. Um and it's kind of bizarre that Jonathan Gannon is looked at as somebody who's going to get a lot of head coaching uh, attention. I know that there's like eight coaching vacancies that just opened up and it seems like he fits the mold of this like, you know, young white dude who is clean cut and just kind of looks like the rest of them. And it probably wouldn't be surprising if he lands a job. I don't yeah. know if it's deserved or not, but um, anyway, I'm going C minus for the defense. Um, you know, if yeah. I'm go. I'll stick with my C minus. That does feel a little harsh, um, but the linebacking play and uh, it just it, they really, really, really need to 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 step it up there because I feel like that's been their area of weakness forever. Agreed. All right, now let's get into overall. And and I agree with with everything that that you said there. Um, we're we're pretty close on on the grades there. So I don't think if you add up my averages, it actually equals this. But let's talk about just <laughs> overall. Um, so, you know, I, here's my thoughts overall on the season, right? And this can mean anything, but at the end of the day, how do we think we performed? You know, our team walked into a really bad situation, a four win team that went onto the playoffs. We're entering next year with three first round picks. And I had no expectations this season, brand new coaching staff, brand new quarterback, Just so many changes. Four wins last year. I have to give credit to the squad. I can't, I can't in good conscience say that we had a bad season. This was way better than anybody thought. Even all of the Eagles, and we know that we're the most brutally honest fan base, right? Like we call it out. We're not like the Cowboys that when our quarterback makes a boneheaded play with 13 seconds left in the game and we blame the refs. We say we're trash an awful lot of times, right? Um, so my overall grade for the season is a B minus. I think we exceeded expectations. Nowhere near an A game, but I am very happy, very proud of this squad, even though it ended in the worst of circumstances and a super ugly loss to Tom Brady. I'm super happy of this team. B minus. I love that. And like, you know, God forbid the Eagles fans ever threw debris or anything at referees oh as they goodness. were leaving. We'd be crucified. We'd, we'd, it would be the talk of every national sports media. Typical Philly fans. Oh, dude, don't even get me started and, on that. And it's like the refs got the call right. And here... Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, America's quarterback. You know, if that's if you're going if they're going to be America's team, that's America's quarterback and here he is condoning that behavior and saying basically that the refs deserved it. Dude, go I should, I'm going to I'm going to keep it clean, but screw you, dude. I digress. Getting into overall grade, I'm I, I did go into this like thinking I was like, OK, yeah, my 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 all of my grades here uh, do not equal this ultimate grade, but it's for the same reason. This was a fun year um, when we were two and five. None of us ever saw the playoffs as a possibility. And even just having that one week of excitement leading up to the playoffs, or actually two weeks because we had clinched uh, the week before. That is enough for me. I'm going to go. I'm going C plus um, mm-hmm. C plus because if C's average. I do think that we did have a slight we we were a slightly above average team, but we were like just 
enough above average to like barely make the playoffs and have no chance once we <laughs> once we made it. Um, but I feel like it can only go up from here. So I um, I'm proud of this team. I'm proud of of how just the coaches and the players stay together because you can lose a locker room, man. You can like you have a couple bad games. You start a player. You know we've seen it. We've seen players fighting each other on the sidelines on other teams out of due, due to frustration. We stuck together. I think Jalen Hurts, even though he, he, the talent didn't show it the entire year, I think he's a leader. And I think that we have guys like Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson and, uh, you know, the de- defense, like Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, I wish he would have played. But we do have these leaders on the team to keep, you know, just to keep the team together. So um, overall, successful season, hopefully much better to come. Now, final segment. Are you ready to start nominating some of your classmates? And by classmates, I mean Eagles roster, who we are not classmates yeah. with. So so this was something fun that we talked about to to kind of have some fun at the end of the season. So we have 10 Eagles superlatives. They're going to be nominations. So we're going to create a poll on our Facebook page. We want you guys to answer this and nominate. And also, if you think there's somebody that we missed, add them to the list. We're going to announce the winners next week to talk about our superlatives. So, Andrew, let's run through these 10. Let's give a sentence justification. Plead your case. Plead my case. Then we'll kind of get into there. How's that sound? Sounds great. Let's do it. Awesome. So our first, most likely to get traded in the offseason. I say... Fletcher Cox. I think Fletcher Cox is good enough where you can get us some capital and we can rebuild in other areas of the team. I agree. And we have Javon Hargrave and uh, uh, Milton Williams to step right in. I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew, just hoping that there might be a team that's interested in trading anything of value. I feel like he is kind of, you know, if we decide to draft a rookie, maybe they'll be our backup next year. I feel like if you can get any value, value for Minshew. So that's my that's my pick. All right, number two, Alex, most likely to get into a bar fight. I'm going to go with, this feels a little obvious, but just looking at the guy, Jason Kelsey just looks like a dude that you don't want to look at the wrong way. And, uh, you know, he could very well be dressed up like a biker dude, and I could see him just throwing down. So I'm going Jason Kelsey, bar fight. How about you? I'm going Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham is going to walk into a bar. There's going to be a Dallas fan or a 49ers fan. He's always chirping during the game, man. He's going to punch somebody in the face. It's going to be hilarious. BG most likely to get into a bar fight. Our next one. This one's pretty interesting. Who's most likely to be cut in the offseason? I'm going with JJ Ortega-Whiteside. The experiment's over. His contract's over. There's no reason why we keep him. I want it to be Jalen Rieger. He's too cheap. We're not going to get rid of him quite yet. I hope we don't use him at all, but Jalen Rieger is not going to be the answer. So I'm going to go with JJ Arthago Whiteside. I hope you're wrong about Rieger. I really hope he, he's gone. Um, I'm going to go with Brandon Brooks, and it's a shame because I he's been phenomenal whenever he's stayed healthy enough to play. Um, I just feel like he might be eating up a little bit of uh, – a little bit of salary, and I think that that money could be used elsewhere, especially with some of the uh, replenishment that we've that we've uh, have been able to do with the offensive line. So I'll go Brandon Brooks. All right, next number four, 
most improved player. Now this, this could be a couple different people. I had a couple people in mind. I ended up on TJ Edwards and I don't know if that's just because I'm used to such a, a, a lackluster linebacking performance. And I felt like there were a couple games where he really made his presence known. Um, so that's enough for me to give him, give him props. I'm going TJ Edwards, most improved. I think most improved player was Javon Hargrave. I think he solidified that defensive line. Um, I think he had a huge, huge, huge year. I'm so proud of that dude and what he brought in the energy while Brandon Graham was on the sideline, still chirping, bar fight, don't remember. Uh, <laughs> but I think Javon Hargrave had was the most improved player. Uh, most likely to retire, Andrew and I both had Jason Kelsey is most likely to retire. Pro Bowl season, finishing on a high streak. Dude just loves Philly. You know he wants to retire in Eagle. I hope we see him back next year. Andrew, want to add anything else to that since we both voted on it? I mean, he's the oldest player on the team, but with that being said, he's 34. And I feel like he could probably, he's the type of guy that I can't just like, even if he were to leave football, I feel like there'd be something inside him that just is like, I got to get back out there. So I think we see him at least for one more season. I'm hopeful at least, Uh, but I can't see him playing anywhere other than Philadelphia. Agreed. Number six, we also selected the same player for this one. Uh, we for uh, for best dressed. Now we went with Mister Devonte Smith. I didn't have a lot to go off on this, but I do recall his uh, his drip, as the kids say. Um, draft night when he got drafted, my man was looking fly. So uh, to me, that was a no brainer. I did want to think like I I was thinking Miles Sanders because I feel like he looks fresh when he's out there with like the chain, and I'm like this guy probably dresses well too. But um, no, no, no. I'm sticking with Devante, and it and and you did the same. Anything you'd like to add? Yeah, nah, man. Dude looks great. He's he's just very buttoned up, suit tie, traditional look. Um, I love his pregame shirts, the cleats, everything. I think Devonta Smith brings <laughs> that drip. And again, if anybody thinks anyone else, please, please nominate them. We'll announce that winner next week. All right, next one. Most likely to go to jail. Um, I hope nobody goes to jail, but I think if anyone's going to go to jail, it's going to be Fletcher Cox. Um, I hear a lot of stories about Fletcher Cox doing some sketchy stuff with other people's spouses and girlfriends. <laughs> and, um, oh. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I, there was a nine one one call of like him saying someone broke into his house and he was like waiting inside with a shotgun. I, I hope nothing bad ever happens. So Fletcher Cox, this is purely comical, but someone's going to go to jail. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Fletcher Cox. Sheesh. Well, at least it's not Brandon Graham getting into bar fights. So I'm glad that at least, you know, that's that situation. No Philadelphia cop. No Philadelphia cop is going to arrest Brandon Graham. You got to be kidding me. <laughs> that That's a great point. Um, so I'm going to I'm going with uh, most likely to go to jail. I'm going Boston Scott. Um, <laughs> and you might be asking yourself, Boston Scott. What, what the heck has this guy ever done to anybody? Um, and I'll tell you what, he's the shortest player on the team. He's five foot six. So he's got a Napoleon complex. So you get on his bad side, he's going to lose it. And probably drives a pickup truck. Um, I don't know. And on top of that, he's the giant killer. So, I mean, whether mm. you kill good people or not, you know, you do have to at least... David and Goliath to get locked up, you know, so so Boston Scott feels pretty legit as uh, the most likely eagle to go to to go to jail. Moving on, uh, most likely to break out next season. Actually, like the answer for this. I think Milton Williams is a freaking stud. 
two reasons. One, he showed us on the football field multiple times. It's his rookie season. Dude's only going to get better. And two, his name's Milton. That's like just a reason in and of itself. What a badass football name. Milton Williams most likely to break out next year. Milton is a great name. And quick question. Do you know what year? Do you know what year Milton Williams was born? Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, 98? So he was born in 1999, which means the rookies, and so is Kenneth Gainwell, which means that this this is the last year that rookies will be drafted who were born in the 90s. So next year, oh we're going to start seeing players drafted who were born in 2000, which freaks me the heck out. Oh and also, Mil- Milton sounds like somebody who should have been born uh, maybe in the 80s. I don't know. That's, I don't know. Milton's a timeless name. What am I saying? Uh, I love Milton Williams. I think he's going to be awesome as well. I'm going with Tyree Jackson, and that's a bit of a, a bold prediction. I just love, dude's got a body on him. <laughs> uh, he's like six foot seven. 245 just freaking jacked if he can somehow you know the eagles have liked using that two tight end set in the past and if he can slide into the old dallas goddard role um then i i think that he he could be awesome but it's just like you know it would have to be one of those darren waller just kind of come out of nowhere uh situations but i'm hopeful uh next most likely to bump into at a dive bar now this is different than getting into a fight with someone this is just who who do you view as somebody who just looks like they get down at a just good old-fashioned dive bar i think i walk into a dive bar i see a man in the corner gassing up the crowd with some glasses inside drinking a fosters going jordan mulata yes most likely to bump in at a dive bar drinks 15 of them feels absolutely nothing Jordan Mulata getting citywide specials for $4, just a Tecate tequila, just kicking them back. Takes a million for him to get drunk. I love that pick. (laughs) Um, I'm going Gardner Minshew because he rocks that mustache. And I feel like mustaches uh, belong at a good dive bar. They seem to go hand in hand or handle bar and handle bar. That was a mustache joke. Not a great one, but still a mustache joke nonetheless. And last one. Number 10, most likely to make the Pro Bowl in 2022. I'm going with Darius Slay. I think we're going to show the league why Darius is big play Slay. Lockdown corner in the NFL. I think he got robbed. Now it's a little bit different than all pro, but I think Darius Slay will make the Pro Bowl in 2022. Yeah, Slay's about as rock solid as you can get. I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard. I think that if he had, uh, if Zach Ertz wasn't here from the from the jump this year, I think that he would have had a, a Pro Bowl uh, slot definitely lined up. He's been extremely productive. Um, you know, some drop issues, but ultimately he did, other than Devontae Smith, he seemed to be their their biggest receiving threat. So I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that he has a big year next season. Awesome. So those are the well, 10 superlatives. <laughs> yeah, we're going to share this on our Facebook. Make sure you like who you want to nominate or suggest somebody that we may have missed. Andrew and I are pretty dumb, right? So like, we don't know everything that there is to do, hey. right? We're, just, we're doing this for entertainment. We want you guys to be engaged and everything. Just because the season is over for the Philadelphia Eagles, Andrew and I still plan to talk through until the Super Bowl and maybe even past. We're going to be talking about MVPs in a few weeks. We're going to be talking about the upcoming playoff games. 
We're going to be talking about who we want to win, and we're going to bring some more guests on. So if you thought that this was the last episode of the Afterthought Podcast for the season, you are mistaken. Make sure you come kick it with us on Tuesday nights. Andrew, any final words before we close out today? Just thank you for um, taking the time to just, you know, talk to me and for letting me talk to you and for letting us talk to everyone to uh, hopefully not feel so much pain. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, we get a ton (laughs) of enjoyment. Facebook is up to over 100 likes. We just surpassed, I think, our thousandth stream. So we are getting a little bit of traction. It has been fun. Let us know how we can make this more enjoyable for you. We will see you guys next week. And with that, we're out. (laughs) 